the Tech It Up Talk podcast aspires to educate, inform, and inspire educators from teachers to school leaders on tips, tools, and resources to support the integration of technology into classroom instruction. You ready? Here we go. You're listening to Tech It Up Talk with Dr. Mack, your host with the most passion for supporting educators from teachers to school leaders with the integration of technology into instruction. In this episode of Tech It Up Talk, I have a very special guest today who has more than 20 years of experience as an educator, and she continues to have passion for teaching, learning, and leading. As a teacher, motivational speaker, trainer, author, and educational leader, Dr. Quinice Miller is driven by the belief that all children deserve a world-class education, regardless of their cultural or economic background. Her proudest work has been that of a school principal, where she believes her job is to support and serve people who make the magic happen and the people who really make the difference, which are our teachers. In her book, Dr. Miller shares her story as a teacher in an urban school and offers advice, suggestions, and insights for aspiring new and veteran teachers. I am super excited to bring on my special guest today. Dr. Denise Miller. <laughs> hello, 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 Dr. Meck. How are you? Oh, I am doing great. I'm so glad you are joining me today so we can talk about your book. And I'm super excited to have you here and all your positive energy. Thank you so much. I am honored to be a part of this special, special project and show. Um, you are definitely making moves and blazing trails, Dr. Matt. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And so are you, which is why you're here today. You know, the purpose of this podcast is to really educate and inform other educators about you know applications and practices in technology. However, you have a book titled The Art of Giving Us. <laughs> uh, a memoir and guide book for urban educators. And I really want to discuss different applications of your books, that and also discuss how technology can enhance culturally responsive teaching uh, through the lens of your book and of course your experience as an educational leader come on in and tell us about what the art of giving a sugar honey iced tea (laughs) is about (laughs) let me first start when i told my mother the title of the book she said you are not gonna title that book that and i was like yes ma'am respectfully i am (laughs) and you know the question was like why why do that and uh the answer is is because i want to get the people's attention uh the work that we do in education is the most important work that can be done and you know respectfully in any field because we have the the duty, the responsibility, and really the privilege of truly impacting children's lives, not just in the moment, but forever. And so this book, I need to get your, I wanna get their attention uh, because I want people to pick it up because within the book, um, it is going to give you uh, an insight of what truly serving urban scholars and and, and scholars that are in uh, suburbial um, locations as well truly serving them uh how that looks um and so i'm i'm super excited 
and what is it that they can do to truly make a difference in the uh, in the, the lives of children so it looks like it got your attention <laughs> it sure did look and i got my book right here you know the art of giving us <laughs> yeah, my uh my memoir and guidebook as an urban educator so thank you so much and i hope that we can you know support and also inspire someone else who may be listening to this podcast you know we're having fun with this but it's also a really important topic can you kind of share what are some inequities or challenges that are really apparent in urban schools so here's the reality unfortunately in schools that serve scholars that are from different uh, lower economic economic backgrounds or minority scholars there's a there's a few things that are true uh, one of those is that those schools don't always have the quality of teachers that our scholars deserve and when i mean by quality of teacher one of the things i mean is all of the really really good teachers you know, typically like to go into more affluent uh, school districts and spaces because, you know, the work is different. In urban schools, our, our scholars deserve those, te- those scholars, those teachers as well. However, you know, unfortunately, the, scholars, the teachers that we get are sometimes those that either weren't picked up somewhere else or, you know, you know it, the, the quality of teacher. There are teachers, however, that want and truly have a desire to serve scholars who are underprivileged. And so, you know, that's one of the things that my book serves for teachers that are saying, I want to serve the scholars that typically do not have, um, you know, the, the best teachers, the best resources, etc. And so my book gives you an opportunity. Well, what does that look like? What does that mean? How do I truly impact? culturally, linguistically, and economically diverse scholars. Um, And so the quality of teacher is one of those inequities or challenges. Another thing is the quality and the the quantity of the resources and access that our babies have. Technology being one of the main ones. Um, And so, and I think that the last thing I would say that I believe urban school, schools and are challenged with is this progressive mindset. You know, schools initially were built for factory workers, were built yes. to help teach and help uh, train children how to come in, sit down, do their work, get in line, and, and you know, train them on how to work for someone else. However, in, in the reality is, is we don't always, and schools, and specifically in urban schools, don't have this progressive mindset where we're teaching children how to think where we're teaching them how to problem solve, where we're teaching them how to collaborate, the things and the skills that they need to not work for someone, but to be the boss, to be the owners that are leading. And so those are some of the things that I think that we are challenged with in urban schools. Um, And I, you know, I just pray and I hope that as we do this work, uh, that we can begin to slowly shift the mindset of how we are serving black, brown, uh, and linguistically diverse children. Right. It, you know, the term that, you know, we hear coined is culturally responsive. And so can you kind of share just for, I know sometimes we hear terms in education and, you know, like I, I remember when I first started teaching, I never knew what pedagogy was the first time I started, like my first year, like I kept hearing it, but I never really understood what it is. And so I feel like culturally responsive is a, another one of those terms that some people may need to better understand. So when we're using that word, 
um, and associating it with uh, education, they can better identify. So how could you explain for someone when you're talking about being culturally responsive? So I think it's actually the actual name, responding to the culture in which you are, you are, you know, purpose to serve. And so specifically, it just means how do we better meet the needs of the clients that we that we serve? So there's there's this notion uh, around in culturally responsiveness that talks about how uh, there are some scholars, depending on their background, depending on how they're raised, uh, depending on their culture, they are uh, what we call feel dependent, independent, feel independent, which means that they basically uh, are able to just come in, sit down and, you know, you give them an assignment, they're going to do their work, they're super intrinsically motivated. Well, there's another side to that point where we have scholars that are culturally, that are field dependent. And that typically are those scholars that are in urban schools. And a field dependent scholar is a one that really depends on the environment, depends on the teacher. It depends on, you know, what are they experiencing within the classroom, the lighting, the activities, the relationships, all those things matter to the success of that scholar. So to be culturally responsive says, it means that you are, as the educator, going to ask yourself, who am I serving? And how do I shift my practices to meet the needs of those that I serve? And so um, that's essentially what cultural responsiveness is. It also is teaching through a lens that builds up the culture, the background, the diversity, the languages of those that you serve. So some, it, it typically and historically in education, um, it wasn't necessarily built to, to, uh, to praise and to uplift and to highlight the differences, right? It was, you know, it's kind of this, you know, one way of thinking and we're trying to assimilate everyone in one thought, but what culturally responsive teaching does and culturally responsive practices does, it says, you know what, who you are matters. What you do, where you come from matters. The language, la idioma que hablas es importante. The language you speak is important. And so we want to make sure that we're teaching you from that lens so that you feel good and confident about who you are. And then all of that, though, comes to the one thing that no matter where you teach, no matter who you are, no matter uh, what you do in education is academic achievement. Right. Everyone wants to make sure that our scholars are, are achieving and successful. Right. And so when you when you teach through the lens of cultural responsiveness, what you are truly doing is saying, I want these, these children. I want them to be successful uh, academically. And I can do that by reaching them where where they are and building up who they are. All right. I love it. Yes. You know, and which kind of brings us to, you know, the purpose of this podcast, you know, educational technology uh, has played a major role in education pre-COVID and even more so now with COVID. And so we know that it can definitely enhance, you know, the instructional design and practice uh, to facilitate those culturally and linguistically responsive learning environments uh, mm-hmm. to meet all of our students. Um, what, I guess, can you share, um, what are some ways technology can enhance cultural responsive teaching? That is an amazing question. Um, so let me give you just kind of three specific ways. Culturally responsive teaching, and there's also this notion of culturally responsive caring. 
But in my book, and when you talk, when you research culture responsive teaching, one of the main premises is gonna be about building strong relationships, right? And what I think technology does, it actually helps us meet this generation of scholars that we're serving where they are, with what is important to them, with what they like. I don't know about your children, Jocelyn, but my children are in great, I mean, like when I tell you technology, is who they are, what they are, what they do, everything that they do, they talk about, or that's important to them, comes from this form of technology, whether it's YouTube, whether it's uh, Snapchat, whether it's TikTok. I mean, you could go on and on about the different technology spaces that they live in, Google even, right? And so you're meeting them where they are in your you by leveraging technology in the classroom you're saying what's important to you is important to me and that right there is the relationship building because remember in my book i talk about children don't really care about your content they care about you and when you do that and leverage technology to teach them it is going to tell them oh this teacher cares right. another thing that i think technology does in helping us with cultural responsiveness is giving children choices right historically and traditionally we come in you've got a pen or a pencil you've got mm -hmm. paper and the teachers are telling them we're going to write this we're going to note this you know and this is what we're doing but when you leverage technology what you do is you identify and teachers are able to say here's what we want to learn and this is what this is the outcome how can we get there and giving them those choices of either writing of typing of doing a video of you know creating art or graphic something through through the use of technology gives them choices which is also super culturally responsive and then i think the last thing is just this 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 notion of exposure in urban schools our children don't get the exposure all the time that, that they need to truly be able to conceptualize things to be able to comprehend certain concepts right so Technology allows you to give children more exposure to things through Nearpod, through VR, through, I mean, I could go on and on where children are able to experience a space that they may not be able to go physically, but through the use of technology, they can experience it to help them better conceptualize things that they maybe didn't have access to before. Oh, that is amazing. So I've heard relationship, I've heard choices and i heard exposure i think those are three phenomenal ways to kind of look at technology to kind of help support and enhance uh, those processes when working with students and developing them instructionally and you know just and even culturally you know a lot of times we use technology or i see technology being used more as a um, to the side and silos uh, to complete the task but I think definitely when we start seeing teachers to leverage it for relationship building and providing choices uh, to help build student agency and also exposing our students to things that are outside their immediate environments, whether it is, you know, different types of technology or maybe it could be a place on virtual field trips um, or, or even meeting people that they probably would have never met outside of their communities and bringing them into your classroom and leveraging technology to uh, to kind of enhance and provide those opportunities as well, as well as just using the instructional tools in the classroom to learn the content. Now, I want to shift over. We talked about teaching. So, you know, I think leadership is also a big component. And so how can 
uh, technology also en enhance our leaders uh, to enhance their culturally responsive leading practices? Well, first of all, leadership is everything. Everything begins and ends with leadership. So uh, this is probably one of the fav my favorite things to talk about. So how can technology leverage, I mean, how can te leveraging technology uh, enhance cultural responsive leading? Uh, I got three ways for you. The first thing as a leader is we must always be learning. We must always be stretching ourselves because if you are not reading, you're not leading and you read and you, and you do that so that you can learn more, so that you can teach and so that you can impact in a deeper way. So technology, you know, has been giving us these opportunities to learn what else is out there. So as a leader, there's so many other leaders that now I have access to or that I pay attention to through the use of technology, uh, like principals on TikTok. I mean, there are principals doing some amazing things out there. And I get to leverage that type of technology to learn more and to bring those same practices to, to my campus and to my teachers and to my scholars. Uh, but there's just so much out there. So um, it gives us an opportunity to learn. The next thing is it truly increases our territory of impact, right? So the same way I'm going and researching what other principals are doing, I also can share those things. I can meet, I can reach more people. Uh, one thing that we've been able to do with, uh, with technology is instead of driving so far to go to meetings and, and, and taking away our time to be on campus, I'm able to virtually be in a meeting uh, where I can be where the work is on my campus and have much more better time management. Um, leveraging uh, technology, even with our calendaring, like I was old school, you know, I used to have these, you know, my highlights and my, my, you know, cross out my days. Um, now I'm able to leverage technology to calendar better, to, to, um, you know, to really be more intentional in what my, where my time is spent, uh, specifically in teaching and learning. But more importantly, when we talk about cultural responsiveness, the time that I'm able to spend building relationships with my leaders, building relationships with my teachers, um, and, and really looking at and observing how they're doing the same thing. Um, and then finally, I think that technology allows us to model to be a model, right? So let me give you this quick story. I used to have this binder and it was my leadership action items. And, you know, I would give action items to things that we needed to do and prioritize. And I had my little binder and the, everyone had to come to my office, had to write in my binder. You know, I was sticking for a binder and then I was introduced to Asana. <laughs> Uh, is a platform in which you're able to give tasks, you're able to manage your organization, and my it was it was revolutionary, and I was scared. I'm not gonna lie, to you. I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. However, I needed my teachers to be open and to try new things in technology. Yes, I had to do the same thing. So I was like, I'm gonna do it. And when I tell you, I, when I took the leap, my leaders appreciated it because it was their tasks were right there on their phones. All they had to do was find them. We could communicate, we could collaborate, and it just took so much time off. But it also helped meet their needs, right? They didn't. They 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 weren't. Uh, it wasn't benefiting them to come to my binder. It benefited me. But one thing about leadership, it's not about you. It's about those that you serve. Um, right. And so I just think that technology is just really 
helping us to be able to stretch ourselves in so many different ways so that we can be better. Right. Now, I wanted to bring attention to one of my favorite titles in your book in chapter four, Warriors, Wimps, and Cowards. <laughs> I think, you know, I really love the, the, the titles in your book and the attention grabbers, but this is probably one of my, my favorites. So um, in chapter four, you're talking about Dr. Glenn and um, his ideas of defining roles. And so... Could you explain, like, what do you mean by warriors, wimps, and cowards? What, is, what does that mean? <laughs> well, essentially, uh, Dr. Glenn, uh, rest his soul, was one of my favorite teachers in, uh, when I was getting my, my master's. And what he says is there's three types of people in the world. You've got warriors, and those are the people that defeat and confront challenges. Those are the people that have a certain work ethic. Those are the people that are disciplined and willing to do what they hate in order to achieve what they want. So you've got warriors and only 20% of, of the world fall in that category. And then you've got wimps. And the wimps are the people that, you know, they kind of have this, you know, this attitude or this characteristic that, you know, they just wanna, they don't wanna make a fuss. They just are gonna kind of go with the flow of whatever life brings them. They're gonna, you know, just kind of be average and ordinary and just get by. They're just gonna get by, kind of like a, you know, well, we can just wait or, uh, I, you know, mentality, right? Those are, those are just right there average. And 60%, he says that 60% of people fall in that space, right? The, they cry baby, they fall, find fault, they, you know, negative, like just, they're just left, they're just existing. And then you've right. got cowards. 20% of people are cowards. And the cowards are the people that run away from challenges. The cowards are the ones that are super negative. They're weak, they're abusive. They are dominated by this fear. And I mean, they're the ones that just suck out all your energy and, and don't really want or desire more for themselves. And he says 20% fall there. And in the book, and when I was a teacher, I taught this to my scholars. I said, listen, you're one of these three people, but you get to choose where you fall. You get to choose. And no matter what you do in life, no matter where you go, you display one of these characteristics. So I was able to talk to them about what those characteristics were and the impacts, right? The consequences of having certain mindsets in, in what they do, and not just in my classroom, uh, but when they leave the class. Uh, I think that is awesome. You know, it really resonated with me because just working in technology and just thinking about like my understanding of the impact uh, that technology can have in instruction, building capacity, um, efficacy, and in so many different ways. And I think about the warriors, wimps, and cowards component and us feeling uncomfortable with trying new things. And you spoke you spoke a lot to that. And I felt I feel like, you know, a lot of us were falling into that sixty percent prior to COVID. But I would definitely say COVID has kind of pushed us into warrior mode a little more. However, we still have some that are that are kind of struggling that fence line. <laughs> And you know, COVID, you know, while definitely I don't want to, you know, dismiss the losses that have happened due to it, right. there were so many blessings 
and technology was probably one of the biggest ones because I think that that we were going in that direction, but because you're right, we were falling in that whip category where we were complacent and didn't really want to move. And COVID, you know, really forced us into that space. And as leaders and as educators, we've got to be warriors, specifically leaders. We've got to be warriors of technology, meaning we've got to do some things that we don't want to do to truly get to where we want, which is scholars having ultimate success and having exceptional experiences in education, right? And so we don't necessarily want to be stretched because, you know, we are comfortable. It, technology sometimes makes us very uncomfortable or insecure. And with educators, especially leaders, it's like, we know this, we've been doing this for so long. And now this technology piece is like, oh my God, like there's this insecurity. But a warrior steps up to the challenge and says, I'm going to try, I'm going to do what I can because it's what's best for kids. And, and that's what I, I live by, what's best for kids. And sometimes uh, it's not always easy, but when you're looking to make that positive impact, you have to be willing to do whatever it takes to get the impact you're looking to get. Now, we are going to move to my next segment of the show, which I like to call Get Your Tech Together. <laughs> And this is just a, a segment where I would like for you as a leader yourself to share some specific technology applications. And you already kind of shared one, Asana, with us, um, or programs that teachers can use, support, or even leaders. Leaders, we don't want to leave them out as well. Mm -hmm. um, but applications or programs that educators can use to support culturally responsive teaching practices. Okay, so one of the biggest uh, practices when you're thinking about cultural responsiveness is uh, really really collaborating with parents, right? Uh, while I'm the adage when children are with us, then we are the ones that can control what happens with them. However, when, a, when I talk about this in my book, when a teacher and a parent are able to be on the same page, magic happens with children, right? So one of the things is parent communication. You can use Remind. I love the app Remind because every parent has a cell phone and when they go on the Remind app, they're able to get communication from teachers, from the school, from anybody about what's going on. Because people think that certain parents don't care. Every parent cares about their child and what's happening, right? And so we've got to do that communication. Dojo is a really good one, specifically for elementary uh, and even middle school. But where Dojo allows parents to truly not just communicate with teachers, but also you can see pictures, you can see videos, you can actually see what's happening. Uh, and parents really want that, that that access, right? And so those are two that I really like for parent communication. Another thing that is important when you're talking about culturally responsive teaching and leading is collaboration and community, right? So uh, scholars that are field dependent, they like to work together in groups, not all the time individually because they wanna help each other. So there's a few. One, Google Suite is wonderful, right? Google Classroom, Google Docs, uh, Google Meet, where they're able to actually interact with another scholar, whether it's through writing, through video. So that's one. Flipgrid is also another one where scholars can create videos because they love making videos, where they can make videos and communicate with each other or they communicate with teachers. Um, that's one of my favorites. I also love Jamboard because Jamboard gives them an opportunity, you know, to put up information. And sometimes scholars are not always 
super confident and maybe want to be anonymous and in classes they won't speak but if you use technology like this uh, they're able to actually interact and engage and and be a part of the learning without being so uncomfortable right i love screencastify so that teachers can leverage i have a teacher right now that you know she's using screencastify and pear deck simultaneously right i'm so proud of her <laughs> and she's using those simultaneously and I was meeting with her and she says, I'm so glad that I do this because now I can teach theory in my paradigm and use my screencastify to go over it before class. And when they come in class, they get to play more and they move faster. And I was just like, amen, 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 sister. And so, um, and so it just, it, it just is going to allow some, some, some of these platforms just allow teachers to be able to teach more, uh, and for scholars to be able to grasp concepts and be able to do the things that they really want to do in the classroom. And then finally, of course, you've got so many instructional resources. I don't even know if we have time to talk about <laughs> all of the instructional resources, uh, like Khan Academy, uh, Achieve 3000. I mean, there is hundreds of them that can really support, you know, closing gaps. Uh, in scholars and so I could go on and on I'm learning that there's thousands thousands of different technology resources and apps that can be used so it's an ongoing learning process for me oh yes yes thank you so much for sharing that because you know I think it's important for other leaders and teachers to hear um some of you know sometimes I think we put on this facade in education and uh, we can't get to the real meat and potatoes of the impact we're looking to make because we're worried about being judged or trying to think. So, you know, the purpose of this podcast is really to kind of um, peel that layer off to kind of hear from other voices. And so, you know, the things that you share with us today, I'm sure someone listening to this podcast will probably take um, and listen to and have some nuggets to take back with them that they can apply into their own practices. And so, and speaking of podcasts, there's a lot of educational podcasts where teachers and leaders just like yourself are just talking about the work. One of the things that I, you know, am really committed to and dedicated to is being honest. Like mm -hmm. being honest. What are the fears? What are the challenges? Where are some of the successes? Because we're all in this work together, right? And so, yeah, I really, really appreciate a podcast like this. Thank you so much. And so we're going to go to our last segment of the show, which I like to call the Tech Smackdown, which is just us closing out <laughs> with some best practices and tips for other educators to walk away with. And so if you can share maybe two to three uh, different tips about how technology can enhance cultural responsive teaching to close the show. Of course. Well, I'm going to start with um, one of my favorites in my book, uh, When You Get Your Book. Um, you'll see that the premise of the book is love. Love children and the rest will take care of itself. And so in love, sometimes you have to look past you, right? So one tip is teachers and leaders, we got to get over ourselves, right? We've got to be open to learn and be vulnerable with, with, uh, with technology, right? And so as we try to reach children, like, Technology is a big deal. It's a big deal 
uh, for this particular generation. And we won't be able to truly serve children with the relevance that we need to if we don't really start to open ourselves up to the use of technology and understanding how technology can uh, better impact and serve those that we that serve children. Uh, the next thing I would say is just breathe. Just breathe. You know, it's going to be okay. You can take it one day at a time, one app at a time, one technology tip at a time. Yes. Uh, but let go. Let go of the control. I remember um, my, I had a my ex-husband there. That's a whole nother story. But, <laughs> you know, you're real good at teaching because you get to control everything. And I was like, wait a minute. But he was right. Because we like to control the classroom. We like to control mm -hmm. everything. And with technology, you got to let go. You got to let go because you can learn so much from the children that you serve if you just listen. And if you go and 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 one thing that teaching teachers need to do is steal from other people but you gotta let go and you gotta just kind of let technology um really show you some better things that you can do to serve children right so let go blow up the box you know throw that lesson plan in the trash can that you've been using for 20 years <laughs> and, and, and leverage technology to really really get scholars to conceptualize the things that we want them to learn uh, because technology is going to help them do that in a different way. And then finally, I would say is, again, don't forget about parents, right? So the same way, I'm going to use the example, uh, you have scholars that they speak different languages and parents may not be able to speak English, right? And so there's always this gap of understanding and them being able to support their children. So we want to also help try to bridge the technology language gap. I know at my school, we everyone's got technology in their hands. Uh, however, you know, they're going home, but their parents don't necessarily always know how to support them with the technology or what does learning and excellence look like with it, right? And so trying to provide opportunities where you are talking to parents and teaching them while you're learning, they're learning, we're all learning so that we can better serve our babies. So. Those are it. I mean, I hope those, 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 were, those are some amazing tips. And so you guys heard Dr. Miller take those tips. Um, also share with me which tip you thought was the best tip that Dr. Miller shared. And Dr. Miller, before you go, if you could just share with everyone how they can become a part of your network and also get a copy of your book. Absolutely. You can find me at www.quinise.com. Um, you also can follow me on Twitter. Uh, at Quinise, Facebook at Quinise, as well as IG at Quinise. And so, uh, of course, you can also just send me an email at Quinise at gmail.com, Q-U-E-I-N-N-I-S-E at gmail.com. And I look forward to uh, hearing from you. And of course, you can find the book on Amazon. You can find it on Audible. And you can also find it on any of your uh, ebook apps, that you may that may you may read Kindle, you know, etc. Uh, Apple Books. You will find it anywhere you look. I hope that it blesses your life, and I hope that it makes a difference for the scholars that you serve. Oh, that is awesome! So you heard it from Dr. Quinice Miller, the art of giving a uh, sugar honey iced tea, <laughs> a memoir and guidebook for urban educators. So thank you again for joining me, Dr. Miller. It's been a pleasure having you on today. Thank you so much again. It has been an honor.
Thank you for listening to the Tech It Up Talk podcast with Dr. Mack, your host with the most passion for supporting educators on using and implementing technology. Be sure to connect with me on the Tech It Up Talk Facebook page and Twitter and Instagram at Tech It Up Talk or at Dr. J.E. McDonald. Now, I know teching may not always be easy, but it sure is fun.